Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly dialogue that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at thedispassionateobserver.com. That's T-H-E-D-I-S-P-A-S-S-I-O-N-A-T-E-O-B-S-E-R-V-E-R.com. This is Vindesh, and I'm excited to be here with Master Z. It's another week. We're ready to have a really engaging conversation about a topic called primalism. Primalism is a step back from our humanity. And if you think about how human beings are designed, in some sense, we're pretty simple. We're here to fulfill a prime directive, to survive and to reproduce. That's basically it. The money, the cars, the monuments, the fame, the fortune. At a primal level, none of that really matters. Now, our primal instincts are clearly important. They keep us alive. They keep the species going. But sometimes they spiral out of control and they end up taking over our lives. And if they do that, they wreak havoc on our lives. If we become too primal, we feel like we're always under attack, like our survival is always at stake. And that means we go through life and we're afraid. We're insecure. We're anxious. It's not a very fun place to be. It means that we can't really enjoy what's going on around us. We can't connect with others. And worse than that, as we'll talk about, this primal state leads to a lot of physical problems and mental and emotional problems. So if we stay in this state, we can go through our entire lives never really enjoying the world around us, never really moving beyond that primal sense of, oh my God, I've got to survive. I've got to live another day. Today, we're going to explore primalism in a fair amount of detail. Z, let's start with your views on primalism. What is it? And why is it such an important topic? Sure, Vin. Primalism is a, a doctrine, a philosophy, just like racism, sexism, or any of those isms. It's a leaning towards or a biasing of our general life doctrine towards the primal. And what I mean by that is that we have various functions of our brain, uh, such as the ability to think things out, deductive reasoning. We have another part of our brain that feels and interprets what we feel, that limbic brain. And there's another part of us that's very primal, the gross brain, that fulfills the basic directives, survive, improve the species, reproduce. And these are, are constantly in play. The higher portions of the brain, the limbic brain, the more subtle frontal lobe aspect of the brain, are processors that are defining the world we live in. They're defining our reality. What happens when we are biased towards the primal? We are being triggered from one situation of fear, anger, threat, fear, anger, threat, and then from there, fear, anger, threat, react. Whatever it is, we start to react to without a lot of interpretation. Or the interpretation is, is not nuanced enough for us to then discern and discriminate against, is it a threat or is it not a threat? And where we see that in every area of life now is that people are operating 
on a fear, threat, react mode, fear, anger, react mode. We see it in the subtlest ways in society where there are no longer conversations anymore about how people perceive events. It's gone to a very, very uh, primal, savage level almost, where you hear something, you react. There's no more discussion or discernment. If you hear a joke and you don't like the joke, then you immediately lash out at the jokester. In personal life, we see this, where it's oftentimes very difficult to talk to our intimate partners, our spouses, for fear of how they will react. And in turn, they're doing the same to us. So people are not communicating that well anymore. So this biasing towards the primal, this primalism, is something that we have to first be aware of so that we can then put it in check. Not every situation is a life or death situation. Not every event that pops up in our life can be uh, defined in a binary way. They are very nuanced. There are so many subtleties to things. But when you're in a primal way, you, you're, you're, you're incapable of that. You can't see things uh, in many colors. You see things in black and white. It's going to kill me and I need to react or whatever it is. So as we start to explore how that affects our general well-being, we can see the rise in anxiety. When a person is very anxious about anything, there isn't a lot of thinking about what's going on. I knew a young woman who <clears throat> was very upset that her parents didn't think much of her choices. And she was going back and forth and started working herself up into a, a frenzy. And then she was so stuck in it, it just became a continuous loop that her parents would reject her and that they didn't love her. Uh, she had failed in every way. And you could see that it became, it, it became so consuming for her that she was no longer functioning. She began to put on weight, all sorts of things. And she was in this primal state of desperation to survive. But because we are not living in that era of humanity where there are predators all about that are obvious, we've conjured those up in our head. And because we don't have that healthy, harmonious commerce between the three parts of the brain, then they have these dysfunctions of thought. So the frontal lobe is playing a picture of this dreadful event that may or may not happen based on various pieces of memory, various ideas and notion, various things you've heard, various things that have been told to you, and you paint a picture that looks like reality, that has nothing to do with reality. And the primal self then reacts to that. So this woman began to react. Her body reacted. It was in the upside-down mode, and her endocrine system began to go haywire. Her skin broke out. She began had digestive problems. She began to pack on weight. And as we worked together, the biggest benefit she got from the work was to 
give her the realization that everything that she's playing in her head has not happened and really isn't it happening. It is a cinema being played in her head, a movie that she's created, that she's watching and she's terrified. So you mentioned that the brain has three parts. We've got the reptilian brain, which is the primal part, and it's very binary. It's just assessing whether things are okay or whether we're under threat. So it's a pretty simple part of our wiring. Then we have the limbic brain, and the limbic brain is responsible for all the sensory input, for what we see, for what we hear, and we take in that data. And then finally, we've got the frontal lobe, and the frontal lobe is giving us meaning. It's taking in all of that data from the limbic side and ascribing some meaning or some story to it. So, for example, if we're out in the wild and we're being chased by a lion, we get that input. Uh, the, the frontal lobe will say, oh, my God, if I don't get away, I'm going to die. And that will then trigger the reptilian part of the brain and we'll get into this fight-or-flight state. So uh, hopefully uh, we can get away and we can live to fight another day. When we look at those three elements of our brain, we can call them the gross, the subtle, and the causal. That frontal lobe is the subtle. It's where we create and paint pictures and design the past and future based on what we've archived in our mind. We have the causal that is the manager of the whole brain. It tells the body to trigger what endorphins, what chemicals. It uh, delegates based on what it's assessed from the frontal lobe and the more gross reptilian part of our brain. It delegates what's needed for any particular situation. And then we have that basic beast, that reptilian brain. That is our life. That's what gives us life. That's what we call life, how we've acted out our life. It's the true element of living, what we experience. When that is gone, there is no more. So it is the vehicle of the other two. Yet there still has to be harmony between all of them. When we no longer have that harmony and we're biased towards either part or we're stuck in either part, then the others start to uh, lose their connection to us. That relationship begins to go on a decline. And in the classical philosophies, they consider true intelligence is one who has harmony between, between all three areas of the brain where the gross, the causal, and the subtle are all interacting in a way to give us a very peaceful, harmonious, content life. Because we can take information in and we can discriminate and discern. We can delegate and allocate information where it needs to be, where it should be. The problem is when we're locked into one area. And as we talk about primalism, <clears throat> that biasing towards the primal, we inevitably will see the problems that arise and we'll talk about those. Z, it sounds like it's more than just being biased towards one part of the brain. For example, being biased to the primal. It's really about the harmony and what happens when we lose that harmony. 
So for example, if we're in our head all the time, if we lose connection to the visceral part of our brain, where we're able to understand what's happening in the environment, we're able to step back and say, I don't feel a threat. Even though there was something that looked scary, I can look at other signs. I can see that no one else around me is panicking. I can see that I'm safe, that I can protect myself. If we lose our connection to those visceral inputs, then our frontal lobe spins out of control and it starts painting these disaster scenarios and that in turn triggers the primal state. So because we're in our heads and we've lost connection to the visceral, we're poking the beast and we're getting back into this survival mode. Even if we have some connection to the visceral, if the subtle brain has spiraled out of control and we live according to false narratives, so we have body dysmorphia and we just create this image of ourselves that's independent of reality and that part takes over, that can also trigger this primal self. So part of it could be being biased towards the primal part of ourselves and part could just be a lack of harmony across the three different components. That's a wonderful um, assessment, Vin. And all I would add to it is that those, that disharmony that exists, uh, we have to witness it. We see when you're captured into your smart device, your phone, your whatever, the rest of the world is no longer there. It's not unlike years ago you would hear about the local butcher or carpenter who was uh, engrossed in conversation while doing his job and they sever a finger, something like that, or they inflict great injury to themselves completely unaware that they've done it and someone reminds them, hey, your, your finger's bleeding or whatever, because they were in the frontal lobe. They were somewhere else, as we say. They were in their head. They weren't in their body. And what happens when you do that enough and then the pendulum swings uh, radically to the other end, then suddenly you feel yourself in an instant state of fear, flight, fight, anger, what have you. We see it every day in um, the political arena where people no longer think anymore. They simply react to threat. Even the way we converse is about reacting to threat. We need to show a strong response to fill in the blank. This thing looks really bad and we need to react instantly to it to get it back right. And our body is feeling the toll being put on it for that, this extreme. So there are no more super predators roaming around that may eat us at any moment. So our frontal lobe has created reasonable facsimiles of that in so many areas. Um, at one point we were uh, talking about a body dysmorphic disorder. What is that? So the frontal lobe is now completely out of harmony. So it's taken all these images and inputs and it's flooded the limbic brain with this. So even what you see in front of you is so distorted. It is so extremely distorted that you are reacting to it. And the animal sees this ugly person or this person that no longer fits into the tribe and you're constantly trying to fix it and tweak it. So this is an example of that disharmony. Those are somewhat extreme examples, but I think more subtle examples 
that we see around us are the ones we should be most concerned with, where this idea of endless desperation or this idea that we have to endlessly uh, consume and uh, peacock or display what we've consumed in order to maintain uh, tribal continuity. So these are things that we want to think about. You're absolutely right when you talk about the three parts of the brain. Um, and, and, And what we want to get into is harmony between the two. Our conversation right now is on primalism, where we're more primal, but yet we are not healthy with that. So what I mean by that is the primal isn't bad. The primal is our life. The primal is our sensuality, our expressions of affection. The primal is our pursuit of a better life. The primal wakes you up in the morning and allows you to sleep at night when it's working well. The primal is what inspires the actions that we call life. So in itself, there is, it's not a bad thing. It is when the ism of it takes us over, when we're so biased to it that it no longer has the ability to interpret information from the other parts of the brain. That's when we begin to have problems. I think the destruction is hard to understate, and it can occur at a collective level or an individual level. You talked about politics, and my mind instantly went back post 9-11. We, as a country, were talking about how Iraq had weapons of mass destruction. I remember at the time thinking, this sounds completely fabricated. There's no evidence of this. It doesn't even intuitively make sense. There doesn't seem to be any link between what's going on in Iraq and the terrorist threat and the terrorist attack that we just experienced. Yet that became the entire conversation. And I think it relates to this imbalance that you're discussing. Number one, we had this idea that we had to respond. We have to respond to any threat. We have to be strong. And that overwhelmed our reason. It overwhelmed our ability to look objectively at facts. And if you think about the politicians, they had another narrative to contend with, which is, oh, my God, if I don't support this, suddenly I'm unpatriotic. Suddenly I won't be viewed as someone who supports the U.S., who is doing things that are in the best interest of our country. So no one spoke up about this. And we ended up going to war, incredible destruction, incredible cost. We created instability in that region, and we found absolutely nothing. There was no evidence that we uncovered that there were any weapons of mass destruction. It was all the story that we told ourselves, the cinema in our mind that you mentioned that comes from the overactive frontal lobe. I think at the individual level, it's also incredibly destructive. And as we've talked about in the past, this disharmony across the different parts of the brain, this state of always fearing our survival triggers both physical problems and uh, mental problems. Could you talk a bit about those and maybe talk more generally about what life feels like when we're always in this primal state and we always feel like our very survival is at risk? In the primal state, you develop a certain tunnel vision. When fear is triggered, fear can be a very healthy response to a situation in your environment. You're thinking of nothing else. It also develops a certain amount of cognitive dissonance in you so that you 
create a world that simply provides for you your single options of survival. There's not a lot of memory going on. There's not a lot of thought. There's not a lot of anything going on other than I need to create a world where I end up surviving. So in that way, that part of the primal is wonderful. And that's why most of us are sitting here because our ancestors survived oftentimes horrific things. And now where we get into it as a creating a disease model in our body is some of the things you stated. Mental illness, because you have painted a picture in the frontal lobe that now the primal is acting on to the point where it simply is in burnout. There are no enemies about. So reason people understand that there is no one living on this earth that survived a war that was justifiable. We can explain it, we can create a narrative around it, but there was no war. When we reflect upon recent trends and data of 50 years, all these wars were constructed in order to promote various political careers. So that means everyone that supported those supported criminality. Good people, reasonable people, loving and caring people have supported genocide. How did that happen? Well, once the primal is tapped into, all those things that we call civility go out the window because there's an imminent threat and I need to survive. And if that means destroying a nation or, or whatever it is, I'm going to do that. Then later on, I'm going to reflect upon that. And then I'm going to create justifications for it that allow me to rest back in my humanity. You see how it's working there? That's the problem. So if we don't put this primal in check and we venture into primalism, that is part of the decline of our mental health. We see it in uh, consumer activities, the various sales where you hear that there was a scarcity of some product at a superstore and people began to fight over this product and they fought in such a way that inflicted uh, gross injury upon another person because the big screen TV, there were only four left and there were 40 people in line, so 37 needed to die. Um, and then if you get back and you pull away and go, wow, how did I do that? What, what, what was going on in me that I, would, I was willing to injure someone over a product? Well, that primal had been triggered. And then as we get rest from that, as we cool down and we reflect, then the frontal lobe will create various justifications and the limbic body is in chaos because the limbic body is, is pretty close to the primal in its function. And it's saying, no, you really did that. You really participated in a huge brawl or witch burning or whatever was going on. And so then you start to have the physical maladies, the adrenal toxemia, the uh, digestive issues, all those that, that are happening because we're trying to resolve this disconnect. And it's very difficult to do it because we're also at the same time trying to paint a picture to justify our behavior. So you see the dilemma there, Ben? Yeah, I definitely see the dilemma. 
as you mentioned, if there is a conflict between what we know at a gut level and intellectually what we're telling ourselves, that conflict is going to create constant anxiety. And it just means that our mind continues to spin out of control. It continues to look at evidence selectively to try and come up with coherent stories to justify the things that we do. And it's like any lie that you tell yourself. It causes stress because you know it's not true. And suddenly you have to build more lies and more complexity just to keep the narrative going. So it's incredibly destructive. There is one thing that I want to make sure the audience understands. We've talked about primalism in terms of some really horrible stuff, in terms of genocide, in terms of wanting to kill other people at the Black Friday sale post-Thanksgiving. Even the more normal or more day-to-day responses that we feel aren't that big of a deal are evidence of primalism and trigger the same mechanisms in our body that are triggered when we feel like we're under attack. What I mean by that is the following. Someone might be listening to our podcast and thinking, oh, I don't have any urge to kill anyone. I don't feel like I'm about to die. I'm not worried about my physical health. I'm not worried about being attacked. So this doesn't apply to me. I'm outside of this primal category. However, if we do things like tell ourselves that we always have to be on time, uh, that we always have to rush from one activity to the next, if we live with a sense of urgency, that leads to the same responses at a primal level that a predator attacking us would create. Or if we worry about certain things, if anxiety becomes a part of our norm. So we're worried about what we said and we feel like we met people and we made the wrong impression. Or we're worried about the future and what might happen. What's going to happen if I lose my job? Uh, What's going to happen if my kids don't get into the right school? Uh, What's going to happen if I go to this party and people don't like me? This habit of worrying, even though it seems trivial and even though everyone else does it, this also triggers the same primal responses and has the same effect on our physical and emotional health. And Z, can you talk a little more about that, how these things that are seemingly innocuous can actually have pretty devastating, a pretty devastating impact on us? Then that constant irritation of the primal, like I said, being in that disharmony. At some point, we th- when we were sharing this idea of death and despair, soldiers fighting, or animals attacking, and people say, yeah, oh, that doesn't apply to me. Well, where it does apply to you and apply to us in general is that when we are living in that state of disharmony, at some point the limbic body is exhausted, the adrenals are down, the cortisol levels are up, so your ability to act out in a primal way is greatly diminished right? You're physically exhausted. You're mentally clouded. The primal response to that lack of integrity in the other components as injury to the self. The body is injured. And an injured animal acts a certain way. Because remember, that prime directive is survive. That is the first directive, survive. But now you're wounded you're injured, you're not as sharp as you would like to be, you're not as energetic as you would like to be. What happened? You've been on a constant state of high alert and now you're burning out. It's the same thing that happens when you're constantly 
in that feedback loop with your phone. You're at such a high level of anxiety all the time that the body becomes numb. And then we see the physical effect of that. We see the kyphosis of the spine appearing, the hunchback. We see the gut getting bigger and that, that cortisol band expanding on the body. We see the general lack of motivation to do anything in the physical world. We see a loss of sexual vitality. These are all things that are being caused by the same mechanism that was put in place for us to survive an encounter with a predator or to preserve ourselves from an immediate threat. But that, that irritant on the primal has been happening so much. Why? Because of the pictures we paint in our mind. This idea that I, I want to make sure I keep up with my neighbor. Now think about what's going on if you look at the three brains, the three components of the brain. The frontal lobe has painted a picture that you'll be kicked out of the tribe. Some way, oh, you say, oh, that's not me. No, it is. Our, we live in a, this society of volatile consumerism, and the, the wise know this. So we want to hear about what's the best school for the kids. What is the best school for my children? Think about that. Then we think about, I hope they qualify. So as you start to take apart some of this thinking, you say, wow, this is pretty ridiculous. So you have a two or three, four or five-year-old that must, you want to see if they're qualified to be judged by someone who has no connection to them. How did you end up buying into that? Well, because remember, the primal creates cognitive dissonance. It only shows you the survival option. It, it has a very bleak picture that you better get through that hole or you will die. So now that's been all muddled. So now the frontal lobe is painted picture. What is the hole you need to get through? The hole you need to get through is acceptance of this pseudo tribe, the neighbors, whoever the neighbors are. This is what they're doing. You hear people all the time. You, you, used, to, you used to hear this all the time. So this or that thing is in. This is the in thing. In what? what is, it's in what? When you say it's the in thing, what do you mean it's in? Uh, what, what, so we're not even thinking anymore, you see? So the primal is more dominant. We're not really having this nuanced thought. We're not having this buddhi, this discriminating mind. That's gone because we're simply looking at survival options and despair. What is a, what, how can I survive and how won't I survive? Well, I need to get my child in the right school. Or the neighbors just expanded their home. I'd better do it too. Why should you do it? You see, so we're not even able to think anymore because we're so biased towards the primal. This is primalism, where we no longer have a healthy commerce or handshake between the subtle and the causal mind. And you can paint this in many ways. People fear things that there's no reason to fear. People fear aging. I heard someone, they said, I'm scared to age. So aging became a lion or a crocodile that was uh, walking behind them on their way home. 
if we were to just to stop for a moment and to think how utterly insane that is, then we would realize if we're doing that, we have mental illness. That is a mental illness caused by primalism. There are many others we can point out. And all of us have visited that asylum at some time. So we have to be very careful when we are venturing into the primal part of the self all too often. We're visiting it and making ourselves comfortable in the primal domain too often and too much. So we have to pull ourselves back into a more harmonious and fluid state with all the vectors of our mind so that we could be uh, the, the, the keeper of our own mind, the keeper of our own sanity, and thus the keeper of our own well, well-being. I think we should end on that note. You talked about the disharmony that leads to primalism. The fact that when when we're in this primal state, we lose the ability to think critically, we're fearful, we're anxious, we're hunkered down. And of course, this is going to impact the quality of our life. Of course, it's going to make it more difficult to enjoy the present moment, to connect with people around us, and to use our higher faculties, our creativity, our imagination, really all that makes us human. There's nothing wrong with the primal part of ourselves, the challenge is that when that takes over, we start to lose our humanity. Make sure you join us next week. We're going to continue the discussion and get more into both the causes of primalism as well as what we can do to fix this situation and restore more harmony in ourselves. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Every five-star review allows us to share more unique and insightful content. Learn more at thedispassionateobserver.com. Thanks for listening, and please tune in again next week. Peace.